Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha. And Andy. And this week, we're talking about Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. So this 1997 made-for-TV movie musical is a multicultural take on Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, starring Brandy, Disney's first Black princess. Also starring and executive produced by Whitney Houston. You've heard of her, right? (laughs) Side note, I'm definitely going to mess up Roger and Hammerstein, like, saying that is so hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a mouthful. Yeah, I'm just going to say R&H, I feel like. Let's do it. R&H going forward. I love it. Sweet. So we all know the story yeah. of Cinderella, right? Yeah, we've had a thousand interpretations of it. But just to get a base understanding of what the story is, it is about a girl named Cinderella who his, uh, whose mother died when she was very young. Her father remarries and then ends up dying as well. So now she lives a life with her stepmother and her two stepsisters, all of whom hate her and treat her like complete dirt. They basically make her the slave of the house just to cook and clean and is lives beneath them in every single way in yeah. terms of society and in the household. Um, Cinderella dreams of a better life, finds out that the prince is throwing a ball in order to find his next, his future wife. Um, wanting to go there, but having no, no clothes, no money, no anything. She wishes until a fairy godmother comes and grants her a plethora of wishes from clothes to carriages to, to, to what looks like wealth. So she can enter the castle, meet her true love and hopefully live happily ever after. Hashtag spoilers. I mean, is it? I feel like the spoilers is the stuff with the the slipper, not the... That's the setup that she goes to the ball. I guess, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, this Cinderella was first broadcast on November 2nd, 1977, with an estimated 60 million viewers in one night. That's crazy, right? Yeah, you don't get those anymore today. No way. Um, So at the time, it actually had the largest budget of any TV movie, $12 million. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of that was cast... Uh, payment, you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Cast, the production, the set. Yeah, yeah Whoopi in 97, she's already got an Oscar. She's... Yeah. Yeah, she's already, like... She's past peak Whoopi, like, at that point. Absolutely. I mean, I always wonder about when you have a star that's also executive producing. Like, you're paying them as an actor, but aren't the producers also getting paid? So oh, yeah, no. Getting, like, that's, a double that's, picture? like, the goal is to get the EP cred, like, wow. on, a, on, a, on a production. That's why you always see whenever something's going long enough. You know, the star will be like, is Terrence Howard a producer on Empire? Like, you know, like he might not have started it, but that's how you get the big bucks. Like, yeah. That's so, yeah, the budget for Whitney at this point, like 97, yeah. that's like peak Whitney. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is I feel like all Whitney is peak Whitney. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might argue 80s, but I can't, I can't, like, yeah. She's been golden her whole career. Yep. Um, cool. So actually the journey of this movie actually began at CBS, I learned. Yeah. So before ABC hopped up on it, it was originally supposed to be produced for them. The guys behind this movie um, had produced a live production of, or had produced Gypsy for CBS. Okay. Um, starring Bette Midler. So did you, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but did you, when did it become a Walt Disney production? Because their play wasn't associated with the Disney Cinderella, or at least not, like, commercially. So, from what I gathered, so if I'm wrong, 
definitely shout me out on this. Oh yeah, we are not. We listening. are not Cinderella historians. <laughs> this is uh, research done yeah. within the week of watching this. Film. This is research done. Yeah, exactly. So if any, if at any point in any episode of our podcast, definitely feel free yes, to. Sh- we're just people. We're just people. <laughs> exactly. Trying to learn things. I don't know what to tell you. So from my understanding, the producers behind this movie always planned on doing a partnership with Roger and R and H. Okay. To provide some background, these guys wanted to do. Um, a production of R and H, R Cinderella, new adaptation, and they were interested in partnering with Whitney Houston. Okay. And this was back in like '93, I think. They had reached out to Whitney. She was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And they were basically trying to get her to read the script for Cinderella for years. Like uh-huh. it was on her, like her dresser. Like she just never would read it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like CBS was like, "Yeah, we'll do it. Like just let us know when, whatever. If you guys once you guys have all your ducks in a row." Um, so what had happened was Disney reached out to these guys because these are well-known producers, um, Neil Moran and Craig Zidane. Uh-huh. I don't know how to pronounce their names correctly either, but anyway, they're well-known pro- uh, producers. Disney had approached them and being like, hey, we want to relaunch the wonderful world of Disney, but we don't want to just relaunch it. We want to make it a huge event. So do you guys have any ideas of how we could do that? And they were like, well, we've been sitting on this idea about Cinderella and like redoing it with Whitney Houston. And they're like, yes, we want that. All the wishes in the world of poppycock and twaddle. So they like hopped on it. So that kind of got the wheel spinning again. Okay. So they ended up re-reaching out to Whitney. Um, and because they couldn't get her to read the script, they actually hired actors to do a script reading and invited Whitney to like listen wow. to the script. They had to literally read the script to her yeah. to get her to be like, oh, <laughs> cool. Like, And I was reading too, like they brought in like Brian Mitchell Stokes, uh, who's like a, he's gold. He's been in so many things. If you Google him, mm-hmm. you'll you'll know him. Um, original voice in Ragtime. Um, I forget who else they brought in. I didn't take any notes. But anyway, Whitney ended up being five hours late, I think, wow. to that reading too. So the um, the cast members were like all like upset and stuff, but they went through it and she ended up liking it. So they were able to like get the ball rolling nice. on that finally. To answer your question. That yes. was a long answer to your, <laughs> to your question. <laughs> Uh, cool, but anyway, cool. I learned a lot of stuff in research. And I just want to like give credit to the article that you sent me that you didn't read. The oral history article? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shondaland. They had interviewed uh, a bunch of the producers and uh, folks from the main cast. Yeah. And they were able to provide a lot of context. And this article is for, like, from 2017. But like they really got into detail about how this got made yeah and, uh that's where i got a lot of my information from so yeah because that would have cool. been the 20th anniversary so i'm sure whoever spearheaded that project is just in love with this movie yeah as much um, as i was well so before yeah so we got a little context of like the historical background of this but what is the masha background of this yes how did you see this and why where did you fall in love with it and tell me that story so I actually don't n- remember the first time I saw it. All I know is that I watched it 10 million times. <laughs> uh, I think the film changed my life and affected me in more ways that I am aware of. It's so beautiful on so many levels. Well, first of all, I know all the songs by heart. 
Whitney Houston, Brandy, like those familiar faces. And this is something, again, that I would watch with my mom over and over again. Seeing a black princess, obviously. I love musical theater and I love yeah. performing. So I was just like, I want to be like Brandy in this movie. Exactly. I want to star in this. Yeah, I mean, as someone who looks like you, like, why wouldn't you be excited? Like, yeah. you know, like people, some people try to downplay the importance of that, but like, especially when you're a kid, yeah. forget about it. Wakanda forever! And even the dances too, like I would dance along with the movie. So I'm very familiar with the choreography even. <laughs> uh, and we'll get into that too, because I looked into who choreographed this and the additional things that he's done. And my, I have been a fan without knowing oh, I was a fan. Oh, nice. There's one of those. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But yeah, it really shaped my perception of love early on as well. Mm -hmm. I would say like the romantic aspect of things. And... It also made me think that when a black person and a white person have a baby, that you get a Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> I like because I remember you did tell me that before we watched it. And I think that's so funny because of because of the colorblind casting, none of the races add up to anything. Yeah. So I like that that's the one specific couple where you're like, well, that's science. <laughs> Like, you know, like, it doesn't make sense that the uh, Bernadette Peters had a black daughter and a white daughter, like, yeah. like, and not a mixed race, like a black daughter and a white daughter. That didn't matter. Like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But when it's, when it's a white person, a black person, Filipino, Filipino <laughs> well, child. Well, that was the thing. Like, I wasn't it questioning. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just taken that way. Uh, so, yeah, color. Did you, uh, did you have any, like, Asian American friends growing up and you met their parents? You were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. No, seriously, where are your parents? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't even think it was something like i really thought of it's yeah, just yeah. like in the moment i'm like oh yeah <laughs> so yeah love this film all around i will watch it a million times more no matter how old i am nice yeah fantastic uh what about you me my impressions all right so to be perfectly honest i probably heard of this and that's about as far as it's gone <laughs> and Based on what I'm about to tell you, you can argue I probably never heard of it because I didn't know what the hell to expect at all. Mm -hmm. So you told me we're going to watch Cinderella, the one with Brandy from the 90s, and I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because of expectations put on by movies and society, but I thought it was going to be like a modern day, quote unquote, black version of Cinderella that took place like in modern times. Kind of like, that was because that was a trend in the 90s. I mean, we just, 10 Things I Hate About You was Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. Oh, was Othello. I don't even remember what She's All That was, but it was something. Yeah. Um, so it was like the common thing to kind of like take a really old story and then update it by putting it in a modern setting. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was going to be a little bit more stereotypical in that sense. Like I thought they were going to infuse a bunch of R&B music in there because of like Brandy. Mm -hmm. And so immediately when we started, I was just like, oh, it's like Cinderella. Like I didn't realize that this was like a very traditional telling of the story <laughs> that doesn't deviate much from it. Yeah, like uh, they're actual kings and queens. I was like, oh no, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, yeah. Normally I'm not a big king and queen head when it comes to my fiction. Um, but this was like, I don't like it when it's overly realistic. You know what I mean? Like like when you're watching The King on Netflix. I couldn't get into that. Mm -hmm. But when it's this, this is like Aladdin. You know, I can get into this. Um, <laughs> it's not like a real kingdom. So I was uh, definitely apprehensive. I mean, from my own background... I don't dislike musicals, but I definitely don't search them out. Mm -hmm. um, like, if it wasn't for you, I probably would have seen a lot less in life. Mm -hmm. um, just I like them, but again, yeah, it's just not, not my favorite thing in the world to go search out. So that wasn't really getting me excited. And if I'm being perfectly honest, like, Cinderella as a story, 
doesn't do much for me. Um, maybe it just didn't resonate with me as a kid. Mm. And it could just be because I was a boy and I wanted to like boy stuff growing up. But like even when I saw the classic, like the 1950s Disney one that's kind of the cemented as like the Cinderella. I liked it fine, but I just wanted to get back to Lion King and Aladdin, like, mm. you know, I, and Little Mermaid, I like that too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know, it just didn't resonate with me, because it came out in the 50s, and the rest of the stuff came out in the 80s and 90s, those other movies I just named, those Disney ones. So maybe it always just seemed a little old to me, so, just in general, like, the story of Cinderella, it's been, I mean, I tried to do a little deep dive into the research of it, but I went, I went crazy. Like, I, <laughs> they kept, every time I would find the report, they'd be like, yeah, someone wrote it in 1700, and they'd be like, actually... There's been proof that someone in the 1600s wrote Cinderella in Ireland, and someone oh, would be like, Lord. actually, in the 1540s, this, so this story has been around so incredibly long. I'm not going to say one of the oldest stories, that's insane, but a very, 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 very old story that's been told a thousand and one times. So just in that context, I wasn't initially very excited to watch this, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, as it went along, I mean, I'll, I'll go into it as we go into more stuff, but... Uh, I learned to I kind of learned to appreciate what they did with it and I don't know. All right. So there's so many awesome facts about this movie like in terms of how it was made and the people involved. It's just very exciting. So I'm very excited for us to get into nice. it. Nice. Awesome. So first of all, I guess we could start with how fantastic this cast is. Yeah. It's a, all right, it's a good start. Yeah. The cast to get you right up get you excited. Yeah. So you got Whitney Houston, yep. the queen, the goddess, the fairy godmother. Um, you got Brandy as Cinderella. Like, this is during, like, Moesha time. Yeah, I was about to say, when was this in relation to Moesha? Yeah, like, she's in the middle of Moesha. Um, and she- I know she's a singer, but I really know her more as an actress because of Moesha and, I guess, this movie. Like, I don't know many of her uh, records. <laughs> Yeah, same here. She was like an R&B uh, singer. Mm-hmm. So in my research, she it was a learning curve for her in terms of the types of sh- singing she had to do in this film versus yeah. the stuff that she usually does. Um, so that was a huge switch for her. Um, you got Jason Alexander's Lionel, and this is also during the time of Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, Seinfeld ended in 98, so it was yeah, like... And it ended while it was the number one show on TV, so yeah. he was a star. Which is pretty cool. And they actually rewrote some of that part for him once they figured out that they were going to have him in the cast. Yeah. So they actually put like some Costanza mannerisms in there for him. <laughs> Serenity now! Which, as a... When I got older and I like started to realize like, oh, people write scripts. Like it's not like something that just exists. Uh-huh. I was like, how did they know that he was going to have a bald head of skin for, like, that time that Bernadette Peters, like, that wonderful bald head of skin? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, or how full, does that Full happen? head of skin? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Bald head of skin. <laughs> you know what I mean. Look at you, that manly physique, those handsome chiseled features, that wonderful full head of skin. But anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. So you got Jason Alexander, then you have Whoopi Goldberg. Another queen. I love Whoopi. Is that clear? <laughs> like, do people know that yet? <laughs> anyway, um, love Whoopi Goldberg. Apparently, uh, she was originally supposed, or they were looking at her to be originally the stepmother oh. for Brandy. It was more like, if you want me to be the stepmother, cool. And then they came back to her and were like, actually, we're thinking about you for the queen. Would you be interested in that? And she was like, yeah, sure. Right. So cool, cool. that was the thing. Bernadette Peters as the stepmother. Right. So for the role of the stepmother, it was actually hard for them to cast because every one that 
they were interested in. They didn't want to be perceived as that white person talking down to or essentially enslaving Cinderella because Brandy was already lost. Like she was going to be Cinderella. That's hilarious. So nobody wanted to take the role as the stepmother. So can I add a thought I had during the thing where I was like, they definitely, I guess it's colorblind casting. And I, I believe that they did look at everybody for every role. I did seem like it had to have been a calculator choice on the studio to make the stepsisters one be black and one be white. Mainly because if they were both white and the mom was white, it would have taken such a different connotation of all the making Brandy do all the chores and a much darker slavery vibe that I think they totally sidestepped (laughs) smartly by making one of the daughters black because then it just like completely like negates the weird imagery that would come from it. Yeah. So yeah, I wrote that in my notes that I was like, yeah, that's not colorblind. (laughs) No, that's a great point. (laughs) And it's kind of funny that in their efforts to make this so colorblind that they actually had to try even harder to make sure one, that it wasn't like too obvious and in your face, but also like to avoid things like that, where they're like making a, a statement but like not trying to exactly exactly (laughs) so it was actually pretty it's a pretty difficult thing to do yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like they even picked some like the stepsister she was almost even like the same like skin tone as brandy where they didn't even want to have any like light versus dark skin shit like you know like if she was like a light-skinned daughter and then she was a dark-skinned stepdaughter like that could have been real bad yeah absolutely i found that they were even like yo they even have like side by side they look the same like yeah absolutely and i loved like one of the quotes bernadette peters was like yeah so i wasn't really concerned about that because we're playing a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> like, like, I'm a goddamn professional. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, again, that's why Bernadette <laughs> Peters, among many reasons, like she has so many reasons that she's amazing, but that was another one of them. Um, so, and then you have Victor Garber playing alongside Whoopi Goldberg. So he's the king. Yes. Uh, Victor Garber is amazing. I love him. He was in Titanic. There's actually a funny story there. So everyone was talking about how everyone on set was so humble and there was no ego driven actors. Yeah. And Paolo, the guy who plays the Prince Christopher, he was like, oh yeah, one time I was casually talking to Victor Garber in between takes and he was talking about how he was in this tank for like five months uh, for this movie they shot and you know, mad cash. Turns out he was talking about the Titanic. (laughs) He was just like, oh, you know, like we were shooting, we were underwater for a long time. It was just um, the Titanic. Actually, while we're still on the cast, it doesn't derail you too much. Did you learn anything about, what's the actor who played the prince's name? Paolo. So he was new. Yes. He was in a movie surrounded by not all legends, but either legends or people who are like huge stars like Brandy. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? She was, you know, she was still young, but she was giant. Yes. So did you get any info on like his, like how he got cast? Like why, like how he felt while being there in the interviews? Well, he was starstruck um, being on set with all of these well-known actors. Of course. Uh, But he, at the time, was on Broadway. Uh, He was an understudy for The King and I, which happens to be an R&H production as well. Uh, so he was, he was an understudy there, but like in the course for the rest. And he was literally the last person to audition for the role of the prince. Like they were still looking for a prince. They hadn't found anyone that was right yet. Funny enough, some of the people they were considering were like Wayne Brady and Tay Diggs. Like they were like, you know, Uh, 
uh, young Mark Anthony I saw. That's pretty cool. Uh, so there were like a bunch of people, but like nobody quite fit and they wanted Brandy to be comfortable with whoever they cast. Yeah. Um, so he ended up being like late because his rehearsal was running late. He was the last person in the room. And as soon as he sang, like apparently the producers were like, oh my God, this is our guy. Yeah. Yeah. So they put him, you know, with the screen test with Brandy, the chemistry was there and, uh, apparently like on set, just everyone was so kind and nice to each other that he felt welcome, but at the same time, constantly star starstruck. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I think it helps. I mean, I know it's like, it's pretty easy to say, just be like, oh, I think it helps that he's Asian, but I think the multicultural thing helps differentiate this movie. Mm. And I think if it did happen to be a black actor, I think it might've been perceived a little bit differently as like the black, like the way the Wiz is the black Wizard of Oz. Yes. There's no like Asian people or white people really in it. It's like the black Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I think if Whitney Houston was the godmother, Brandy was Cinderella and like Tay Diggs was the prince, I think the public would have looked at this more as the black Cinderella. Yes. And as fucked up as it is, potentially would have been less successful. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, people would have just been like, oh, that's what the black people are going to watch tonight. As I... opposed to, this is what America is going to watch tonight. Yeah. I, I don't think it would have been smart to hire just the person just be, oh, like, we had an Asian because we need an Asian in here. But I think it did help overall in terms of the racial, uh, like, mixing pool. Yeah. So apparently one of the executive producers at Disney at the time basically had that stance they were like okay you've got the godmother who's already black like why do you need a black cinderella then like that was uh. literally but anyway this executive producer was like instead of brandy why don't you do jewel maybe jewel could Wait, play cinderella jewel? you know jewel she's a she's a singer i don't know anyone uh, <laughs> maybe i know one of her hit songs but yeah um i just thought that was a fun fact but yeah i think it's kind of crazy because you know, a lot of the casting and how this came together was sort of unintentional or it's just like the way things were. Yeah. That from 1993 to when they could finally shoot in July of, I think, 1996 or 97, it's just such a long process for it to just come out so beautifully and everything fall into place. Mm -hmm. It's just such a beautiful thing. It kind of reminds me of like being part of like those uh being part of a theater production where just everyone is cast perfectly i had this experience with brooklyn players when we did ragtime mm -hmm. it's just perfect director perfect cast the show is fantastic and just you just know that you're a part of something special in this moment like that's what this this movie felt like mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of the cast members say they felt like at the moment like to this day they're like, that's, you know, one of the best experiences of my life, being a part of Cinderella. Yeah. Cool. It's really great. Oh, it makes me cry. Um, since we're still talking about the background, <laughs> so much on the background. But anyway, um, Neil and Craig, those are the producing partners who kind of spearheaded this. Mm -hmm. um, they're behind, well, Craig, at least, 1984 Footloose. He produced that. Nice. But uh, they're producing partners and they're behind a lot of like the live productions of musicals these days. Like The Wiz, Hairspray, Peter Pan, Jesus Christ Superstar. Sadly, Craig passed away in like 2018, I think. But oh. Neil is still producing these. Interesting. Uh, live for TV musicals. Um, but they also teamed up with Deborah. Uh, Martin Chase, who is now one of my idols because she's this African-American badass producer. She ran Denzel Washington's production company for a while and developed Preacher's Wife from scratch. Oh, snap. Which is 
on our list, I think, for movies to watch. Um, but she is also behind like a lot of my Disney Channel original movies, like the Cheetah Girls. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh god. my god, how do I not know about this woman? Uh, don't tell me Cheetah Girls is a feature episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's it's fine. Um, <laughs> Princess Diary, she's that's a, behind. That's a tolerate like, what I tolerate. But anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Go on. But yeah, Deborah Martin Chase, like, wow, she just seems like a fantastic woman. It's also nice to know that a black woman was a producer on, like, a part of this project. Yeah. In addition to Whitney Houston. Yeah, it wasn't just, uh, like, like the star power. It was, like, actually, like, the behind-the-scenes crew as well. Exactly. Which is cool. And there's so many freaking Roberts attached to this project that I was very confused when I was doing research. Uh-huh. It was adapted by Robert Friedman, directed by Robert Iskov, and... Is that not how you say his name? Oh, I have no idea. And choreographed by Rob Marshall. Like, uh. it's just three Roberts. But anyway, you're going to enjoy this. Robert Iskov, mm-hmm. he's the guy who did She's All That. Uh, oh, <laughs> my favorite dance scene of any movie in any history. Yeah. <sighs> Yo. That movie's not great, so it's not going to be on this show because neither of us love it. But I love that scene. <laughs> it's the greatest dance scene in movie history. Not for the dancing. For the context. Yeah, 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 earthquakes. Right about now, we're gonna do that dance I taught you. And I know you've been practicing. One thing I learned about it, he directed from Justin to Kelly. He's off the list. <laughs> oh my oh, god. Oh, that movie's that's trash. That's a classic. Classic to nobody. Yeah. Nobody. I'll box off this mojo right now. Yeah, so that's fantastic. She's All That is an adaptation of The Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rob Marshall, um, he choreographed this movie. Beautifully choreographed. I mean, I've done it personally in my room many <laughs> times. But he would eventually go on to direct. And he would team up with um, Craig and Neil later on to do Annie, that production of Annie that I love. Uh-huh. Which stars Victor Garber. And they also blind casted for that movie as well, which is why Audra McDonald plays alongside Victor Garber. So what you're telling me is Hamilton did nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that, not true. These are all doing what Hamilton did 20 years before. <laughs> but uh, he's also ended up being behind Chicago, right. the 2002 movie. Yeah, yeah. He choreographed and directed that movie. Oh, wow. Um, and he's done many musicals that I love, like, movie versions of them so he's fantastic but yeah there are so many facts i could say about this movie that i learned but just those are just the fun ones that i wanted to share with you with something as old as this there's enough trivia to fill up a backlog yeah um but i like i I think we can deep dive into the story a little bit i think we just for this one we forego our non-spoilers and spoilers Mm -hmm. there's really not that much of a difference since the actual plot of the story can be summed up in about a page and everyone's mostly seen it. So I think we just can go just full born, yeah. beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. So let's get to it. So I did do some deep diving into Cinderella just to kind of, I don't know, as interested if something is that old, it has to resonate for some reason. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I couldn't find the original starting point of this story. It's just literally impossible. But one of the easiest things to do, especially with these Disney movies, is to trace it back to the Brothers Grimm version of it. So the Brothers Grimm wrote all the fairy tales you you know and love. I don't know. Do you know who they are? I don't know if you're looking at mm, me like crazy. No. Okay. <laughs> That's a whole other history lesson. I feel like I do, but probably just... Yeah, they've written everything. Fucking Rumpelstiltskin, Hansel and Gretel. Like, uh, every yeah. every old story. Not every, but they, they really 
transcended their time period to write stuff that's lasted hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's ended up being adapted by Disney, but the thing about the Brothers Grimm was their fairy tales were a lot darker and a lot more violent. They were grim? Yes, they were a lot more grim. Uh, mainly because I just think they didn't, people didn't give a shit about scaring kids back then. You just tell them a story, but yeah, the witch will eat your tongue, watch out, you know? <laughs> um, I did find it interesting, though, that I would say a good chunk of the story has remained the same throughout all the years, and all the changes that have kind of been cemented in, like, the way we remember the story is because of the 1950s Disney one and what they changed. Mm -hmm. So once that animated one came out in 1950, it kind of, like, set the new standard of, like, what happens in the story... Because it took out all the violent stuff and it, it kind of like streamlined a couple of storylines. But um, I don't know. I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the differences. Well, yeah, I want to know what the violent stuff between, is. Between the, the Grimm. So for starters, the dad was never dead in any of the stories until the Disney one. Um, the dad was always alive and was kind of just indifferent towards Cinderella a little bit. What? Like he wasn't mean to her, but like he just kind of like once he remarried, kind of like focused his new life on that. Um, the stepsisters are always beautiful in the other ver in the original versions. Um, just and Cinderella is not. No, she is too. Oh. But um, in in the Disney and Beyond, they always make them ugly or like unattractive in certain ways. Mm. It's just not physically; it's like by their actions. I see. And one of the biggest differences is the way they handle the wish fulfillment aspect of it. Where and I kind of like this, and I'm going to go into this as we go into this new the version that we watched in terms of how the story plays out. But instead of it's the fairy godmother appearing to help Cinderella in her time of need. The dad goes out of town on a business trip and asks the girls what the, what would they like uh, as their gift when they get back. The sisters pick clothes and jewelry and fancy things. And Cinderella just wants the first branch that hits his hat on the way home. And he doesn't understand why, but he gives her that branch and then she buries it. Again, a lot of this is written in 1600, so it's a little okay. crazy. But she buries the branch because she misses her dead mother. And for some reason, that's a connection to her mother. And she goes every day and waters the, the branch every day, three times a day with her own tears. So every Whoa. single day, she leans over the branch and just cries into it until slowly over time, that branch grows into a big, beautiful tree. And the tree represents her mother. And then the trees attract all these birds that come in from the, um, from the forest. And they are grateful to Cinderella for giving them a home and they become her bird friends, similar to in the, in the Disney one. She right. has talking animals that help her get through the day and, and all that stuff. So basically, when the ball part is happening and they want to go to the ball, it is, it's her praying to her mother that she needs like strength or something. Like, again, I didn't read the whole story. I just kind of read a synopsis. Yeah. Um, and it is the birds who fly away into the woods and come back with the dress and the, uh, and the slippers so instead of a magic like wand and a godmother, which is a little bit more Disneyfied and for she kids, she just have animals stealing clothes and stuff. No, I'm just uh, steal, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's the spirit of her mother that's helping her get through this. That's nice. As a, and and she's the one who planted the tree, so like she brought that spirit to herself. It didn't yeah. just like pop out of nowhere. So yeah, that goes on. There's a couple of other changes that honestly are a little. That was a little long-winded, but aren't that important. Uh, the ball is over the course of three nights instead of one night. And she runs away from the prince three nights in a row. So on the third night, he actually plants sap on the floor. So that way he can steal her shoe. So that way he can locate her the next Whoa. day. So it's like a plan of his. Because she keeps running away at midnight. And, yeah. he, and the, the third night, he's like, I'm not losing her again. I'm in love with this woman. I have to find out who she is. So he puts like tree sap on the floor and gets her shoe. Yeah. So in the part where it gets violent is when the prince is going around town to uh, put the slipper on different women to find out who who belongs to. And when he gets to Cinderella's house, they lock her away just like they do in the uh, in, in the in the story we saw. 
Uh, the first sister gets to put the slipper on, realizes that it doesn't fit because her big toe is too big. So then her mother makes her go in the back room and take a knife and cut off her big toe. So she cuts off her toe and crams it into the shoe and comes outside and the prince is like, Oh, it fits. This is perfect. You're the one. But as they're walking out, he looks down and just starts seeing blood pooling out of her shoe. And he's just like, what the hell? And he takes it off and sees what she did and realizes she's not the one. The next stepsister puts it on and her, her heel can't fit in. So the mother does the same thing and takes a knife and slices off her heel mm, and forces God. her foot into the shoe to make her marry the prince. Same thing happens. He looks down, sees the blood, says, you're out of here. Then demands to find out if there's anyone else sees Cinderella. It fits. Beautiful, happily ever after. Then the end of the story is the stepsisters try to get back in Cinderella's good graces and pretend to like her. So that way they can be part of her rich family. So they're trying to get into the wedding and their bird friends see the sisters trying to break into the wedding. So they go and they peck the sisters' eyeballs out. So they have to live the rest of their lives walking around with no eyesight oh, because of their shallowness. my God. And that is the end of the story. Uh, oh, see, that is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I thought if anyone was going to experience violence, I thought it was going to be Cinderella. No. But I'm not even comforted by the fact that it was... Oh. And there was some other little, like, little weird, like, tortury games. Like, in order to let her go to the ball, the mom threw a bag of lentils in the fireplace and said, if you can pull the burning lentils out of there in two hours, I'll let you go to the ball. What the And that's when her bird friends came in and picked them out for her and helped her. So the birds were very much like the animals in the Disney movie. Wow. uh, Which became her friends. But yeah, there was no fairy godmother. There was no, like, really, I mean, you could say there was magic in the sense of the birds getting her to do stuff. But, like, yeah, it was was a lot more dark and twisted and kind of gross. Yeah, Disney was like, yeah, we're not doing that, we're not doing that. So, take that for what you will. It really has nothing to do with this movie, I just found it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was worth sharing. I, I really like the image of, like, some producer at Disney just, like, taking all of these fairy tales and, like, crossing things out. Like, yeah. I, I kind of want to see that process. Exactly. And Disney's, like, they're known for doing dead parents. Like, almost all their stories involve a dead parent. So, I think they were just like, fuck it, just kill the dad, too. We don't need them. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you for that background, because I surely was not going to do all that research. <laughs> this was a lot. This yeah. is a lot. This ended up being a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so all of the beautiful music that's in this movie um, is obviously from R&H's library. Yes. Got to give it to them. They know how to write songs. They know how to write musicals. I mean, uh, yeah, it's kind of what they made their name doing. But, like, they really know how to write musicals. <laughs> <laughs> So the producers actually had to rewrite some of the songs oh. uh, to cater it to this movie. Uh-huh. And actually, they had access to RNH's library. So they actually used that and plucked some songs that exist from other musicals into this musical. Oh, wow. So, for example, the first song we hear Cinderella sing, The Sweetest Sounds I'll Ever Hear, they took that from another musical called No Strings. Oh, wow. Because they were. Fit. Yeah, it just fit. And they were like, you know, the lead needs their their I want song. So that was their I want song. Yeah. Like, I want to find love. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I thought, because I didn't know any research about this and I don't know anything about musical theater. So when we first started it, I thought these were songs written for this version. Mm-hmm. Because I only know the version that's not a musical, which is the Disney one. Oh, uh, yeah. So Roger, R&H's musical exists, um, but they added some songs and they also tweaked the language in some of the songs that are originally in this musical. For example, remember when the stepsisters are in 
Like, they're like, why would a fellow want a girl like her? Yeah. So apparently in the original music, they refer to the princess by like having a white neck uh, and like rosy cheeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that doesn't really apply <laughs> here. So they like tweaked the song. Nice. Um, so that way there was like no um, like reference of race uh, at all. So they had to do that, which I thought was very interesting. One little stupid thought I had that I wrote down, because I've seen Cinderella, but I don't really remember the details. Mm -hmm. So until watching this one, I didn't realize that Cinderella is not her name, that it's a nickname, because she sits by the fire, Mm -hmm. and and the cinders fall in her face, and like make her like dirty. And then I was like real nervous the first five minutes into this when we learned that, where I was like, is she only black because I'm supposed to believe those are cinders covering oh. a white girl's face? You know, like, I was just like, like, I didn't know that was part of the original story. So I thought they added that to this to explain why she was black. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. And like, and then, Oh, God, no. And, you know what I mean? Like, like they were just like, like, the reason why she has a white mom and all that shit was because she's just covered in cinder. Yeah. And I was like, that's real bad. And then uh, I quickly uh, did a little research and realized that even... Before Brothers Grimm, that was always the story that her name was Cinderella because she sat by the fire. That and cinders. is awful. Because in this original story, her face is brown with like soot because she's always covered in the cinders. So yeah. like she doesn't look white and beautiful like everyone else, you know. So I was just like, because I didn't know that fact and this was now a black Cinderella, I was just connecting too many weird dots in my head. Yeah. And I was just like, this is no good. <laughs> but, oh, but I was wrong. Yeah. So wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> The first thing that really draws you to this or draws me to this is how beautiful this town is. Like how beautiful this world is. Mm-hmm. All the vibrant colors. It's so beautiful. Yeah, they do. I, I wrote, they did write that I like the use of colors a lot. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but because I only know the animated one, I know it is a very colorful story. So it, I, I thought they did a good job of like kind of capturing that Disney-fied version of it with very colorfuls. Mm-hmm. It works. Like it's uh, it was the very the old school Hollywood style of... Um, musicals where everything would be sets and then the backgrounds like so if they were in the woods they did it like they would do it in a play where the backgrounds were literally like painted Mm -hmm. so you'd have like real sets and then you'd have a a wall that's painted to look like woods that go back 30 feet yeah and there's these did a lot in the 50s because that's just like you know that was how you made movies we we were still thinking of movies as plays a little bit more yeah and i like that they kind of like stuck with that and did that for this like you would notice a lot of those scenes like You'd notice the set, the people, and you'd see where the last building ends, and then you'd see the painted backgrounds. Martin Scorsese did that with uh, New York, New York. He made that in the 70s with Liza Minnelli mm-hmm. and Robert De Niro. And uh, he did it as a throwback to old Hollywood musicals. And so he did a lot of those painted sets, too. That's so cool. I, it just stuck out to me where I was like, it was 1997. Like, you definitely could have made, the, you could have built it a different way. Yeah. Made it a little more depth, but they kind of stuck with, like, old Hollywood. And I like it because it didn't originate as a play, but, like, it, it kept its play roots, in mm-hmm. my opinion that's how they rehearsed this movie too like as a play uh-huh. uh so that really comes across in this film too and it helps that a lot of these people come from the theater so yeah it, it's nice that they and I, I yeah i felt like it was and i mean this in a good way but i felt sometimes like i was more like i was watching a filmed play as opposed to a movie version of a play yes because there wasn't as many cuts they used a lot of wide shots so, like, you almost felt like you were in the audience watching. Where you could see, like, ten dancers at once. Because that's how it works when you watch Broadway. Yes. Instead of being like, focus on this, now focus on this. They were just like, just watch. Yeah. You know? I exactly. I, I kind of dug that. So, you get to learn about, you know, how Cinderella lives. And her comical stepsisters. Which, 
I always felt a little bad for them because you could tell that like if it weren't for their stepmother, they would actually like not be mean to Cinderella. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that too on this one that I kind of liked that where like there were a couple of times where like she'd start talking about love and they'd be like, ooh, tell us more. And then yeah. I would be like, shut up, don't listen to her. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, I like that. But I was also a little... I remembered them being crueler in the version I know. Mm -hmm. And like it kind of made me feel worse for Cinderella. Like, in the original, in the one from the 50s, Cinderella gets herself a dress to go to the ball, like, on her own, like, she makes it or some shit, and then it's sisters who come into her room and rip it to shreds, and that's why she can't go to the ball, as opposed right. to this one, where she's like, I want to go, and they're like, no. You yeah. know, like, it just seemed crueler in the older version. Yeah. But it did humanize them a bit, too, because it made them not just, like, evil people for no reason. Well, I think they sh kind of shifted what the story was about, because in that version of Cinderella, it's kind of like her stepsisters and her environment are keeping her from getting what she wants or like a better life. Yeah. But in this version, to me, it comes across more about empowerment. Like she can change her life. The power's in her hands. So it's not really like because of her stepmother or because of her stepsisters that she can't get what she wants. Yeah. And that's really the point that Whitney Houston, her godmother, tries to drive home. Like you have the power. Yeah. Just do it. Like, you can leave whenever you want. You don't have to stay in this home. You're keeping yourself staying in this home. Yes. I don't know if when we want to get into it, but I'm down to talk about that at mm -hmm. some point. Because that's one of the things I thought maybe didn't really work mm -hmm. in this version of the story. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, that's how they wanted me to take it. Yeah. I just don't know if I took it. <laughs> um... Um, and I got to ask, I don't know where this choice came from, but why does everybody talk with such a standard, normal, American voice that they have... And then Jason Alexander is doing some crazy ass shit that I don't know what he's basing it on. I don't know why he's the only person with an ethnic accent in this land when everyone else talks like an American. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just, I liked it. It made me laugh, but it threw me off. Help me out there. You are rich. You live in a gorgeous palace. You have beautiful women throwing themselves at your feet. Is there something I am not getting? Whitney Houston, like, basically was slang a couple times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's just like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like, and he had, like, this weird, like, Persian accent. Like, I was like, I don't know what he thought that everyone... been his choice. I, I feel like it had to have been. Yeah. Because... Yeah, they didn't write that in. <laughs> yeah, Whoopi Whoop talks like Whoopi, Brandy's like, you know, like, she's a little more like, oh, wow. But, like, you know, there's no, yeah. they're not trying to make it look like the Middle East or something. Well, like. Maybe uh, Jason Alexander was like, all right, I just talk like myself all the time, even on Seinfeld. I just need he didn't to want to. He away. didn't want to get typecast. He didn't want to be like, Cinderella! Cinderella now! <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about this? Um, <laughs> what did you think about the king and queen? At the end of the day, even though they were a little silly, they were about, like, their son's happiness. You know what I mean? Like, they wanted him to get married, but, like, you could tell that they, like, respected him and actually, like, wanted the best for him as opposed to just being, like, no. You know, like, they could have just been written as, like, those shrews who were, like, no, we're the king and queen. We need a new queen. We must pick someone, pro you know? Yeah. And they had little elements of that, like, Whoopi asking Brandy where she's from, but, like, it never made them unrealistic. Like, I think the scenes, like, with them and their son proved that, like, yeah. They were actually, like, decent parents who wanted the best for their kid. Yeah. I always thought because they were... The prince goes, like, I I want I want a true love like you guys had. So I always imagined that they kind of had a similar story. Yeah. So I, I liked that. I always had that background in my head. So I was like, oh, like, they kind of had their own Cinderella story. And, you know, the prince and Brandy are having theirs yeah, now. Yeah, that's cool. 
Um, and that's why I, I always thought that they were so open and supportive because they had experienced it themselves. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. But yeah, so uh, obviously the parents want their son to get married. Uh, so the mom kind of initiates another we're we're set up to imagine that this is like the 10th ball that this town has had yeah, yeah. in order for uh her son to find someone to marry so uh that leads to jason alexander's big moment in having uh the princes giving a ball mm-hmm. uh this huge musical number that i love yeah that's a really fun one it's so much fun a lot of this did just remind me of aladdin in terms of like the spectacle and like the street scenes I was actually literally going to joke that I had more vibes of Aladdin watching this than I did watching last year's Aladdin, mm. the live action one. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, just uh, like like the princess having a ball just reminded me of like the Prince Ali song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but my the best part about this song is how long the prince's actual name is. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. I don't. I don't think I. Uh, yeah. I don't. Maybe I don't remember. I remember when it happened. But. So the song starts out. with with his royal highness christopher rupert son of her majesty queen constantina blah like it's all (laughs) this like intro intro name 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 is giving a ball like it's just (laughs) royal highness christopher rupert son of her majesty queen constantina charlotte ermentrude guinevere Maisie. 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 margarita like the best part of the song that's pretty good i like when he pretends to drink the champagne and it's like the disney version of getting drunk where he mm-hmm. like puts it to his lips and all of a sudden he's like, blah, blah, blah. like, like you know like does they think for like realistic drinking yeah so yeah the like, kids yeah. you know you get one sip you get, they got the kids gotta know yeah yeah it, should, like, it takes ah, one sip. It turns you into an idiot they also have to know that you know you can play like have a huge cake and kind of like just sway it back and forth <laughs> and it yep. won't fall nope <laughs> it's not top heavy at all <laughs> But yeah, this dance was absolutely beautiful. And since it's a huge dance number, obviously there were a lot of dancers involved. Mm -hmm. Beautiful cast of dancers. I've watched this so many times that if you look at it closely, it's the same group of dancers in that huge production that throughout the whole film oh, actually, nice. it's the yeah, same yeah. group of dancers they just redress them which is again similar to how a normal theater production would be exactly like, when you have the the chorus yeah, it would yeah. be the same people you of wouldn't course. have to hire yeah you're people. not gonna get a, a cast of 80 to do one little minute rolls each yeah so obviously after this big number that's how everyone including cinderella finds out that the prince is giving a ball so this kind of initiates her wishing uh, that she could also go. So when we were talking about how hey, you're seeing like the theme of the movie of, of, you know, like learning to help yourself and like that's what Whitney Houston's trying to impart to Brandy that like she has the power to like mm-hmm. fix her situation and all that. So I started in the beginning, I did like when she first meets Whitney Houston, that that's the kind of the speech she's given her where she talks about like helping yourself, self-agency, like this is like a situation you can pull yourself out of and this and that, which I agreed with. But then the actual plot of the story, which is, ages old, older than this, obviously, is still just kind of her, like, she immediately goes from learning that news to being like, well, I can't go to the ball because it's impossible, and she doesn't believe it's possible until Whitney Houston literally uses magic to, like, give her things Mm -hmm. to get there. So, like, I don't know, I just felt the contradiction in the story of being like, this is all on you, like, you have the power to stand up and change your life once I give you a, a dress, a carriage, turn these mice into horses, 
and do a bunch of impossible shit to get you there. But at the end, you know, Whitney kind of emphasizes like, yeah, I gave you these things, but you didn't really need them. Uh, but didn't she? Like when, like, yes, she met the prince in the beginning, but like, will that ever happen again? Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like, really, did she have the power? Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, it's the, the magic element of the Disney one that I feel like is contradicting like this new mm -hmm. tone of like, this is, this is a you story. And like when I was talking about the original Grim Fairy Tale, I feel like by not having it be a grandmother and being a tree that she planted while praying to her mother, like it seemed like it was more like she got herself out of that situation, even though magic was still involved. Mm -hmm. Because if she never like, if she let go of her mother's memory or didn't plant that tree, none of that magic shit would have happened to get her out of that situation. But in this one, it seems like the godmother just came out of nowhere because she was sad. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know. It just seemed a little too, like, magic will save the day. But while at the same time having the message that, like, you don't need magic. But, like, she kind of did. I don't think... I think the magic definitely helped. But I think... I For me, I think the message still comes through, like... Yeah, you got these things. And you always need people to help you out. But at the end of the day, like you still have power. And that's how I always took it. And at the end of the day, it's still a Disney like fairy tale movie. So I feel like you can't like it's gonna have yeah. holes in it. I guess I was just going by what you said before where you felt like this version, it was less about the stepmother keeping her down. Mm -hmm. But like, it wasn't even like, I don't have a dress, I can't go. It was, can I go? No. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it seemed like if the mother didn't say no, she would have went. So like I don't know I, I was still getting a little mixed feelings of like is this her is this her environment keeping her down is it her own mental yeah. like thoughts where she's like I'm too low I can't go like if, maybe if she was like I can't go to that I'm a fucking peasant right like I'm sh I'm shit I'm dirt on the ground and then she learned to like respect herself mm -hmm. but it was more that she was like oh I want to go and they're like you ain't going and then she was like oh, okay yeah and then the magic came and gave her a dress and then Superman powers so nobody knew who she was mm -hmm. and then she <laughs> so it, it was just. It's hard because it's a really old story. You can't change too much. So I don't want to harp on like, I think this version fucked that up. Like I think it's probably in all the Cinderella versions. Right. Um, but it's just something that like, I just, the message of the dialogue to me didn't land as much. Okay. I don't know. I kind of got it. I was like, if, if her, her stepmother one would never say yes, but at the same time, she doesn't really need permission from her stepmother to go. Like she could just go. And I think she still needed to learn that. Like, she, she had to go through a process. Like, she couldn't go without a carriage. You know what I mean? Like, but she walked all the way home. Yeah, that's what didn't make sense either. <laughs> Where she was like, oh, there's no way I can get there. And she's like, I got you. Right. <laughs> but either way. And she beat her stepsisters back home. <laughs> yeah, she did. Well, she left before them. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think this movie deserves to be plucked story-wise. Like, it's a story that's already established, and I think that... Hey, um, if I'm watching it, I'm plucking it. All right. <laughs> it. Okay. But it is a good message, and I do think that's a smart thing to put in the movie. I just think you have to tweak some of the older, outdated parts of it mm -hmm. to make it fit this new... Well, there are a lot of powers in play century. here. Yeah. Like, they had to satisfy the studio... Um, they had to satisfy R and H, making sure that they liked the way their music was being used. Oh, yeah, like totally. there were just a lot. Um, yeah. So the duet between Brandy and Whitney is iconic. Oh uh, yeah. It's the one it's the best song. I don't know. There's so many good songs, but hey, that yeah. one is just I'm talking about the best anything <laughs> until we get the best worst. How about yeah, that? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, but it's just beautiful to see it. It's still brings goosebumps 
Um, but yeah, no, when they're both in the carriage singing at the same time, like, I literally wrote down, I was like, two generations of, like, legendary singers. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the ball. Um, sweet. I'll say, so, I know, like I said, uh, that Brandy's technically Disney's first black princess, mm -hmm. which is true, um, in a sense of embodying it, but, uh, you know, a lot of people give it to Princess and the Frog because that was the first original character who was a black princess. Mm -hmm. But I found it remarkable that when Brandy got put in her beautiful ball dress, that she looked exactly like the Princess and the Frog. Yeah. Like, it almost seemed like they were, like, basing the look off Brandy in this movie 20 years later or whatever <laughs> that was, 2009. Yeah. Like, 13 years later when they made it. So I thought that was very interesting. I was like, I wonder if they were looking at images of this movie, like, when they were designing the first... Re that, true, like the first the original, right? Yeah, like, the first original Black Princess in terms of, you know. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. Like, I was like, are they throwing, like, some, some homage to this movie? Like, that's pretty cool. They better be. So yeah, I just went, that was when I saw her in the dress. I just thought of Princess and the Frog immediately. Yeah. Uh, I, I still need to see that movie. I haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, it's good. So this ball choreography is insane, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love the choreography. And I also wrote that just uh, from a filmmaking perspective, the continuity that they upheld. Because basically the, the scene breaks down where it's like the prince has to dance with every single girl who's at the ball at least once. So that way he could tell his mom that he gave them all a fair shot. He starts getting bored, so he tells Jason Alexander to start like, speeding, up the speeding it up, like getting them in, getting them out, getting them in, getting them out. So it's this crazy hectic scene where he just dances with the girl for about like four seconds. Jason pulls her away, throws the next one in. And I like immediately I, I was just like, I want to pay attention to the continuity because this seems like a lot to keep track of. Because there's a thousand people dancing behind them. There's a line of women. There's a line of women who've already been danced with. And I was keeping track and like they nailed it. Like yeah. every like every time it would cut to a wide, that same couple was dancing behind them. Like I was just pretty I was pretty impressed. Like yeah. obviously that's the most technically masterful thing in filmmaking I've ever seen. But I was just like, you know, you could have easily just not given a shit about the background and been like, kids are just gonna watch the prince anyway. Yeah. But um I was impressive at how they handled that scene. Yeah. And it makes it seem like there's so many people. Um, yeah. in the ball it's so crazy how they a, do that i think this is a time where the four by three tv ratio actually helps mm -hmm. because by not having a wide screen you could really cram that frame right. and, and really make you feel like it bleeds out you know what i mean yeah so i thought that was cool that they like fun fact so when they when the prince starts singing 10 minutes ago uh -huh. I saw you when they're waltz doing the waltz. Yeah. Which first of all, waltzing is real hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, man, and it looks graceful when they do it. But uh, the shot where there's the they're basically waltzing and the camera's circling around them. Yes. That's the only footage they have of that. There are no backup shots. Nice. So if it cool. didn't work, they didn't have anything else. Yeah, I noticed how. Um each of their verses was a whole take. Mm -hmm. So the whole verse that the prince sings, the camera spins around. I didn't count as many times. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't cut until he's done. And then it cuts to Brandy. And then it does the same thing where she was singing. And I was like, that was cool. Yeah. Because there's someone like, you know, again, with the not that it, into musicals, sometimes these slower ballads, I get a little bored during. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, like I get it, but like it's it's just not truly like what taps into my emotions right. so like i tend to look for other things going on sometimes and i was just like that's crazy that they haven't cut yet like yeah like, um apparently the biggest challenge during the waltz was not pumping into the camera operator yeah yeah because you're you're doing that shit handheld like, you're not gonna you're not building a dolly track that goes 360 you know what i mean mm -hmm. like and he was like spinning in the opposite direction that they were waltzing yeah too. 
So I just feel like for someone who's probably a beginner at waltzing, I think Brandy was, yeah. uh, you know, that must have been really hard. Luckily in waltz, I think the, the guy leads. So yeah. it was kind of on Paolo. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be that asshole who just keeps nitpicking funny things about the story of Cinderella that sure. don't make any sense. Love, I've mentioned it before, the Superman syndrome. That's where I call it, where you slightly change one thing about your appearance and nobody in your life can hear or s mm -hmm. recognize you or see you. So Brandy doesn't look different at all when she's in the dress. Yeah. She looks better. Her clothes are nicer. Her hair's the same. Like It's, just, it's she, classic Cinderella. Yeah, she looks exactly like Cinderella from the whole movie, but yet her mo her stepmother can't recognize her, her stepsisters can't recognize her, the prince who she had a whole moment with can't recognize her, and I get it, it's played for laughs, like, they know it's silly, like, even the prince is like, have I met you somewhere? So, this isn't me being like, story stupid, I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. Happened on Superman, I don't know why his glasses make you not know that it's him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and then, another stupid nitpick, uh... Do you know if in any of the other versions of Cinderella can't swim, or is that a black Cinderella thing? Because she specifically has a, a line of dialogue oh, where I, she goes, I don't know is, how to swim. That is a black Cinderella. I would, <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have put that in there. That was... <laughs> Can you swim? Moving on. <laughs> so my favorite song... <laughs> wait, 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 we're going to best worst of it? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wow, that was slow blow. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to talk about that, I mean, you think that, I think keeping in line with the colorblindness, they really tried the shoe on everyone, right? And not just Oh, yeah, oh, I was going to get there when we got there, that I was just like, I literally I was like, why is he looking at anyone who's not a black girl? <laughs> like, like, why would you even waste your time? But I get it. In this version that we're watching, they're not supposed to be different races. Everyone's mm -hmm. supposed to... It's like when you watch a movie where... Like, we watched Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Everybody spoke English with a funny German accent. All different German accents. But the idea is it's supposed to all be speaking German. It's just it's an American movie, so it's easier for us to digest. So the idea is that these are people of different races. Like, the prince doesn't look Filipino. Mm -hmm. She doesn't look black. They're just people. So it's this is not real to the story nitpicks, but I just found that so funny where I was like, in the old version, I kind of get it. They all kind of look the same, you know, but yeah. in this one, he's just trying like these like little tiny white girls. And I'm like, that is not Cinderella. And you know it. <laughs> uh, another Andy's nitpick corner. Sure. This is, this is all Cinderella stories, not just this one. Clock strikes 12. All the magic disappears. Why does the slipper still exist? Oh, be well, my theory is the slipper's off her foot, so it doesn't... But the that doesn't really... on her foot. The horses... I, maybe it's the the godmother's, like, she she knew it was going to happen. So yeah, it... I think they didn't think it through. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's but fine. that's not this movie's fault. <laughs> I'm just, that's the story. I literally opened it. It's like, I'm just going to nitpick Cinderella because it's hilarious. I don't actually think this affects the... Like this is this I'm doing the thing that the people on YouTube do where they're just like, Well, why would he buy two pairs of shoes if you know it's like Yeah. That's not what makes a good story. I just find it kind of fun <laughs> to do. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> How fun was it to pick out so many like different versions of funky socks for right? that montage? Oh of my feet? god. And uh that whole montage was just hilarious because I even mentioned we were watching it, but I was like it would be if it was if this was a comedy version of this, I would write the twist where the prince doesn't fall in love with Cinderella by the end because he develops a foot fetish from all the feet that he has to touch yeah. and examine, and, and he'd awaken some weird part of his side of his brain. 
Oh, God. Oh, but I'm just fucking around. But, yeah, like, there was just so many shots of feet. I thought we were watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck is going on? Like, there was so much. Does Quentin Tarantino have a foot fetish? Oh, big time. Really? Oh, big time. It's in all his movies. Oh, that's weird. It's not not hidden from the world by any means. Wiggle your big toe. Wiggle your big toe. Hard part's over. Now, let's get these other piggies wiggling. Oh, that, I don't know why, but like, fe- thinking of people who have foot fetishes, I'm like creeped out by it's just a, it. It's just a fetish. Reason. It's not a... <sighs> but feet? I mean, it's gross, but it's like, people <laughs> like some weird shit. Like, it's not like harmful. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm gonna stay away from that guy. Yeah. He likes feet. It's just like weird. <laughs> I guess so. The foot is one ugly ass appendage. Interesting like, fact about Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, I was just trying to make a joke. I didn't realize I was going to go into the history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when I eventually start showing you Tarantino movies, I won't even have to point that out. Everything up to and including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Tons of women's feet. Um. Cool. So yeah, you have that hilarious foot montage. Yeah. Um. And then you know uh, we no, finally. So... Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I just kept by the end of this. I was just like, like just picking cinderella part like shoe sizes are not fingerprints yeah like there might be someone else with the same size foot as cinderella the answer is magic <laughs> it's not it's not one shoe size per person in in the kingdom yeah. <laughs> i always i always gave the credit to magic like you know it will only fit brandy's foot because magic yeah fair enough <laughs> i mean there's magic i'll give it to you yeah like when it fits uh, Bernadette, the stepmom's foot for a hot second, and then like I just imagine like the shoe was like shrinking as she was wearing it. Yeah, because it fit her at first. Yeah, I feel that's a cool explanation. I'll take it. To go against my point from earlier about the whole thing about agency and all that, the one part I think that the movie did nail that great was the ending when the prince is after he finds that uh, the, the shoes don't fit on the stepsisters and on the stepmother. And he's trying to find Cinderella, but she's locked away in that room. And in the normal story, he forces himself in there, mm. finds her, puts the slipper on, and whisks her away to, to true life of happiness. They make a slight change in this version where he does the same thing, goes in the room, but she's not there. And instead, she is outside of the house trying to get on the carriage to go find the prince herself. Mm-hmm. And I thought that little change is what I was talking about earlier, where I think it makes it perfectly work. With the that with Whitney Houston's reasoning of like you have to make this happen for yourself, mm-hmm. you can't dream all day. Dreamers don't get anything done. In the original, if they kept it like the original, she would have been a dreamer who would have just sat in the room sad until the prince came and saved her. Yeah. But in this version, had he not done that, it wouldn't have mattered because she would have went to him. Yeah. And changed her destiny. Yeah. So that's where I, I actually think it did work, as opposed to earlier where I think it didn't. But I could also argue that it took the course of the movie for her to learn that lesson. So, I kind of take back half of what I said before. Yeah. But I still think it's kind of <laughs> Well, it sounds like there's a moment where it was stronger than... Well, yeah, that's just the point where I'm like, you can change the source material. You don't have to do it that much to make it fit this new theme you're trying to put on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, of, like, self-empowerment. Because I don't think that theme was there in the 1500s. I think it was just, like, pray for good and eventually good will happen. You know, but, like, yeah. that's good for 400 years ago. For today, we need a little updated narrative. So I did actually appreciate what they, that little tiny change. I was like, that's cool that she's breaking out on her own right now. Yeah. And to, to credit your point about, like, 
points could have been stronger. They did kind of go back and forth because there is a moment in the fountain uh, or when they're outside of the ball and, you know, hanging out near the fountain where Cinderella's like, yeah, you find a girl and she'll be your humble servant for the rest of your life. And he's like, I don't want a servant. And I'm like, Cinderella, get it to get a girl. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, feel, I feel like they needed that there to give the prince uh, some characterization because from what I remember of the 50s one, he's got nothing. Like, mm. he's got, like, six lines of dialogue. Like, yeah. like he's he has no character, nothing, and they gave him a little more depth in this Roger and Hammerstein one. I don't even remember his character honestly in the animated version. He most of the time he's there yawning because he's like bored of the ball. Like he's mm -hmm. like it's like it's like him standing there and his mom bringing in all these women and he's just yawning and he has a couple lines about how like this is not how he wants to meet his wife mm -hmm. and like that's it. Yeah. So I like so I think by adding little lines like that, I'm not looking for a servant. They were trying to give him a little bit more depth of like, you know, I'm not some posh king who just wants like someone to follow me around and do whatever right. I want. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. <laughs> But, you know, they're young. They're learning. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I enjoy the way that ended. But, um, yeah, now that we've uh, kind of boiled down through the plot of this bad boy, how about we get into a little bit of best worst? Best song. Worst song. <sighs> Everyone thought of that. It's a musical. <laughs> Any musical we do is going to be best song, worst song. It's <laughs> yeah. the first time I come up with <laughs> Oh, man. I had a hard time with this because I really, I didn't think, I, like, there was no song that stood out where I was like, that sucked, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. There, by worst, we just mean least favorite. Yes. <laughs> and and I'm not even in love with it the way you are. Like, you know, musicals, is like, I gotta stop saying it. They're mm -hmm. always doing it for me. Uh, <laughs> it's like you're feeding it. Um, but still, I was like, the whole time I was like looking for one that made me roll my eyes or anything. And like, they really didn't. I was like, these are... Relatively enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So my best was the It's Impossible slash It's Possible Whitney Houston Brandy duet. Yes. Um, I thought it had a mix of, it was like funny and whimsical at points, but then it also got like serious. And then it ended with that beautiful duet in the carriage. Yeah. And like, that's where I literally wrote down like two generations of like dope, two generations of dope voices. <laughs> um, Whitney Houston is flawless. So I thought it was fun. Yeah, though, like, the lyrics were a bit funny. Like, you know, I liked her little tweedly d shits and all that. Like, it, was, <laughs> totally it was a good time. Yes. That's a great song. And, like, the little magical touches of, like, the sparkles, like, it, it made it stand out from the other ones visually mm -hmm. because there wasn't really a lot of magic in the story in that sense. Yeah. What was your favorite? So that's everyone's favorite. Oh. So I didn't. <laughs> no, that's I'm just basic ass answers. So uh, now that we're done with that shit. Uh, no, I just mean like it's like the given. Yeah. Like it has to be great. So I picked another one just because, like, anyway. Um, I just picked Do I Love You? Um, when this is when they're outside of the ball and he, uh, the prince starts singing, Do I Love You Because You're Wonderful? Or. Uh -huh. Are you wonderful because I love you? Yeah. I just remember my mind being blown as a kid. Like, whoa, you just changed the words and it's a different <laughs> question and different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful song. Don't hate me. No, oh, that's your worst? It wasn't my worst. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't my worst. But I don't have a real good reason why it was. One of the reasons was literally... It was just really long, and they did it like three times. So I just like by the end, I was like, I, I was a little sick of hearing it. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the real reason. Like again, I didn't hate, I didn't dislike any of these songs. I liked the songs, but like if I had to pick, it was just like by the time that third time it came up in the movie, I was like, I'm fucking done with the song. Mm -hmm. It's over. And then um, I don't really get it, and I don't know if that's me or the song. 
but I don't know what the words actually like mean. I guess I just don't understand the song. <laughs> I guess I yeah. just don't. I don't understand the. You know, do well, I love you because you're beautiful, or are you beautiful because I love you? He's literally saying like, I just met you thirty minutes ago, and I don't know if like you're real or if I actually love you or if it's just all of these emotions going in my head that just makes me like draw like. Am I drawn to you for sincere reasons? Like, am I actually mm. in love with you? Or is it just all of this that's going on because you're beautiful and all this stuff? Is it because I want you that you're beautiful? Or are you just beautiful because I want... Like, it's just, like, all these questions yeah, going yeah, through yeah. your head. That makes sense. That makes sense. I was hearing it differently, but yeah, that makes sense. It's just... I, I think that's correct. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's good. They just did it three times. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it have it had a purpose every time. And even when Whoopi Goldberg brings it up to her son before, it's kind of, it calls back to my theory again, like how this happened with her and Victor yeah. Garber when they were younger. Like they probably asked themselves yeah. the same question. So I just thought that was beautiful when yeah. it kind of reprises in that moment. All right, I'm sold. I don't even, it wasn't a worse song. I, <laughs> I, I had nothing. I truly was like, fuck. Like, I was just like, this is, first it's not, this is be easy, best worst song. <laughs> and then I couldn't think of anything and then I just picked that one because I, I heard it the third time. I was like, wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wrap it. Well, that's, it was, I don't know. That's so funny that it hit you that way. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was really beautiful. And my worst song, um, and again, it's not a worst song, but the stepsisters lament basically the like, why what I found. Oh, that one's hilarious. Like? That one's almost my best. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they're silly. Uh, I um I did appreciate though, and this is just how the original song was written, but like they're kind of like I wouldn't want to say backwards compliments. They're like backwards disses. Uh-huh. Like she's only merely lovely. Like she's only like blah. like it's like saying like oh, you're just like uh, like fifty percent handsome. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like it's still positive, even though they're. Uh, yeah, like I mean the majority of their her. stuff is about how she was skinnier than them, and like you know, like she's all skinny. I can slap her like a twig, you know, yeah. like but like in standard issues of beauty. You know, skinny yeah. means beautiful. So, like, it's just, yeah, they're kind of... It, it just, it was just one of those songs that I was wondering before I did all this research if it was originally an R&H song or if they, if Disney had written it. Oh, because seem, it seems like a very Disney song. Yeah. Because they don't want to, like, turn down, like, put down anyone. Yeah, yeah. So funny. I just thought it felt, for it being a, originally an R&H song, it felt very in line with Disney. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But... Yeah. Again, it's just I I don't hate it. It's just if I were to skip songs and while I was watching, that would be the one that I'd skip mm-hmm. if I had to sacrifice one. Yeah. Um. So my best worst. You're gonna say it's the same question. I will argue it's not. Dance number. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the prince is giving a ball is the best dance number. Yeah. It's just so extravagant, and there's so many moving pieces. I think I'll give you that, too. Yeah. I like that because it's um, a lot of the other dances are people who are at a dance. Mm-hmm. And this one is, like, people in their everyday life, and then a dance breaks. You know, so you got, like, the cake maker. Yeah. And, like, as opposed to people who are like, we're at a ball, so now we're going to dance. Yeah. You know, like, so, yeah. I, I think that's actually what I would put as my best also. Mm. Worst is, I don't know. I got to think about this. You can go, I think. Uh, yeah. So... It's because it's the least going on. My own little corner in my own little chair. Like, it's Brandy Solo. It's not. But it's, like, in terms of, like, musical numbers, it's, like, not much going on. So I was like, uh, 
Like if you think of all the songs and all the numbers throughout the show, yeah, like it's the quietest one. Actually, now that you mention it too, it's not. I don't think it's like a hundred percent redundant, but it is similar to her "I Want" song. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the "I Want" song isn't from the play, makes sense that that would have been the first song. Mm-hmm. Is her telling you about her life and her troubles? Yeah. So yeah, it was a little redundant. Yeah. Yo, that's my worst song. <laughs> I'm changing it. My little, my little. <laughs> Corner Fire is my worst song, and it's also my worst dance. <laughs> Revisions! Revisions made. Alright, my second best worst, uh, it's a bit of a weird one, and I actually did pick this on a previous movie too, but whenever movies come out in the 90s that involve things like this, I'm always curious because it was a time of change. So I picked Best Worst Special Effect, because I think 1997, it was a transitional time. It was mm-hmm. We weren't putting CGI in all our movies but it was post-Jurassic Park and Terminator 2, so, like, we could do some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm always curious at how they handle it in these times, whether it looks real bad or good for the time. So I should think of best-worst special effect on the movie. Um, I just imagine you need a minute to think. Um, so best, um, I put the pumpkin turning into the carousel. Mm-hmm. I like that they took their... Like, it was, like, a real slow build, and, like, I could tell that they spent the most money on that in the computer effects, where, like, I... Like, obviously it didn't look believable because the pumpkin turned into a carriage, but, like, it didn't look like it took place in a different movie. Like, you know, it didn't seem like it cut to a computer effect and you saw this thing grow out. Yeah. It was, like, a mix of photo effects and then a computer molding of a pumpkin. I thought that was really cool. And then the worst was immediately after that was when the mice turned to horses (laughs) because it's literally, like, until the horses are full grown, they're just little still images of horses that they've downsized the models so they're the size of a map. Like, it looks like if you went to, uh, on your computer and had a picture of a horse and just grabbed the corner and made it real small. So it's just this, these little pictures of horses that weren't moving and then they slowly just expanded bigger and then it, like, they put a little wave over the screen and then they cut to real horses. And it's just like, I was... Whatever. It's it's a cheap movie that's, like, on TV that, you know, doesn't... Uh, the effects don't affect the story in any way. Yeah. And it's such a quick moment, but I just thought... From, I went immediately from being impressed by the pumpkin to being like, ah, that horses didn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I came up with. That's hilarious. I also realized that best special effects involves like four scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it does. There are not that many to choose from. Um, I would say the mice turning into men was pretty good. Yeah, that was cool. Um, half of it being because the actors were like still acting as mice yeah. when they were humans. And then they were like... <clears throat> All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just knew, like, to get into it. I always thought that was pretty funny. That was funny. Um, so maybe, I guess I, I guess I kind of nominated that as my best, though I will put a nod to all the sparkliness that's attached to every movement Whitney Houston does yeah. as a fairy godmother. I, I just think the choices for that, uh, like, the look of that is very distinct and very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of worst, I might just tag team on yours because yeah. I can't really think of another one that's worse. Like every everything is good. <laughs> <laughs> Best worst outfit. Mm, I'm gonna be a basic bitch and say Cinderella's dress is probably oh, the best outfit. Basic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Do you have a best? I, I love Whitney Houston's outfit. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty good outfit. It, and it also just corresponds with the way I just said, like, her magic. It just all fits in so nicely. Yeah, it kind of didn't... Like, it didn't look like everyone else's clothes. Like, it looked like... Yeah. Like, yeah. like it wasn't... She wasn't from their time or their culture. Like Yeah. 
I also want to know what it's made of because it looks kind of shiny, like latexy, yeah. or I don't know what it yeah, looked like plastic, no but like it also looked comfortable. I don't know what it was made of, but it looks fantastic. <laughs> and worst, um, probably Bernadette Peters' outfit to the ball. <laughs> pretty ugly. That's funny. I think Calliope's outfit to the ball. Oh was pretty yeah, bad. yeah. With the two, pretty... they were like lamp, like the old school lamps, but <laughs> yeah. two of them on her dress. <laughs> that was that was pretty bad. That was my last best voice. Nice. Yeah, I only had the two as well. Um, shall we move on to Beyond the Credits? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to let you go first. I want to hear what you speculate happens to Cinderella, the prince, and the rest after the credits roll. So I just assume that the storylines of a prince or princess finding the love of their life like that just their desire to find true love just runs in that family uh-huh. so i just imagine the loop continuing <laughs> just to say it like they have a kid yeah they have a uh so if white and black make filipino what do filipino and black make guatemalan <laughs> no, yes that's the next iteration <laughs> the guatemalan prince <laughs> guatemalan prince asian princess yeah but anyway, that's just what I imagine that happens in that family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing I always wondered is where the wealth from uh, the stepmothers and the stepdaughters come from. But now that I think of it, I wonder if it's like the the money that the father like. That's what it is in the other in the, oh, okay. in the Disney version. It's um and part of the version is that they've been recklessly spending all of his money, so they're mm. actually about to be broke again, okay. which is why it's so dire for them to marry into the prince uh, prince's family. Ooh, that would have been cool for them to like emphasize that a little yeah, bit yeah. in this one. Yeah, yeah. That cuz it's been a while since I saw the Disney one, but I'm fairly certain that's that was in there. Oh. Um, well, yeah. Then yeah, they definitely get poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I don't think Cinderella should give them anything. Um, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Cold-blooded. So, I have a less of a happy ever after situation here. Uh-oh. So, I think, you know, the credits roll, gets married, all that stuff. Then, I, w- I think down the line, stepmother wants to get some revenge mm-hmm. on Cinderella. So what I think she does is she finds a way to get in touch with the fairy godmother. What? And steals her magic. What? And Bernadette Peters then gets her magic from the fairy godmother and fucking makes her a statue, puts her into stone, and takes her out of the picture. And now she's the new villain of the story. So then she has the power of the magic wand, or whatever, the magic the magic fairy godmother. Goes back to the end of the story with the glass slipper, and she changes it so that the slipper has to fit on her daughter's shoes and not Cinderella. So the prince then meets the daughter, falls in love, gets married with her, and changes the events, and Cinderella's poor as shit. Yo, so it's, what kind of darkness? <laughs> it's crazy, right? So then I think the prince is kind of smart, though. I think he's not gonna he's going to soon realize that he doesn't love this girl and be like... Just because the shoe fits, I don't think you're you're who I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. So then, stepmom, more magic, fucks with his brain to make him fall in love with her, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of working, but it's not. He kind of brushes up against Cinderella a little bit, maybe, and they maybe touch hands, and he goes like, "Holy shit, I think that might." I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> so now he's like freaking out that he married the wrong person. So he rushes off to find Cinderella, and then. Uh, 
you know, tells everybody what happened with the mom, Bernadette Peters, the magic and all that shit, tells her to, uh, t- tells them who they are. They're about to get arrested. They say, screw that. They use the magic and they disappear and they get out of there. So now the prince and Cinderella are going to get married for real this time. So then the mom captures Cinderella anyways, because the prince wants to marry her, uses the magic to make her daughter, Canolope, Calliope, look like Cinderella, like Cinderella doppelganger, sends her to get married to the prince. Uh-huh. Calliope's about to get married at the last second. She says, I don't want to do this, mom. I want to marry for love. I don't want to pretend I'm Cinderella to marry Cinderella's husband. Stepmom tries to kill Calliope. Oh says, fuck you. God. How dare you do this to me? Prince whips out his sword, blocks the magic. We've never seen a sword in this. Pulls out his sword, blocks the magic, turns Bernadette Peters and the other stepsister who's been on her side the whole time into mice. Gets them the fuck out of there. Then rescue the godmother, turn her back from a statue. Godmother says, do you want me to erase everything that just happened? And now that they got the stepsister on their side, they go, no. We got her on our side. We actually learned more lessons through this story than that story. That's how we're going to end this. Oh my god. That is crazy. That is beyond the credits. (laughs) That's also... Sorry, but that was the exact plot to Cinderella 3. Oh, wow. You got (laughs) I looked up the plot that happens in Cinderella 3, the the Tides of Time. What the hell? And that's what happens. That's a lot. Also, so, what happens in Cinderella 2? Nothing. <laughs> so I looked into it. So Cinderella came out in 1950, then in 2002 they made a direct sequel to it. And it's not, It's a, the, a mouse telling three separate stories of Cinderella that, have not, that are not connected in any way, shape, or form. It's like, Cinderella can't find the keys. Like It's, like, it's basically three episodes of a Cinderella TV show that doesn't exist struck together in a structure where a mouse is telling a story about Cinderella. That's weird. Then, and nobody likes it. It has like 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Then I looked into Cinderella 3 because I didn't even know these existed. These are animated. Yeah. And like, they're they're direct sequels to the one from 1950. Um, Then there was Cinderella 3 and that one has like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, people are like, we fucking love this movie. This is a great Cinderella movie. And so I read the plot and that's what the plot that I just told you. I was like, this is very far-fetched. <laughs> it's just a real movie. Oh, sorry. That was all just for a joke. But... That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, actually, beyond the credits, yeah, they live happily ever after. And, uh, <laughs> nothing good ever happens to the stepsisters. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they should touch this movie, do a sequel, do a reboot. Yeah, I don't think nothing. any Cinderella needs a sequel. Even the one I just... As funny as that story I just read was, it's not a... I don't think it's like I don't think this is a story you need to go back and see what happens next. Right, but I'm just saying, like in the spirit of like rebooting stuff and like trying to recreate this, you can't recreate this. I feel like they should just leave it alone and never try and touch it. Yeah, but I think that might be a generational thing too. I think if you talk to people your age in 1968, they would have been like, "Well, the 1965 version, beautiful. It's in color. The original one's in black and white. Why ever do it again? You know what I mean? Do so, you want them to reboot Coming to America? No, but okay, they are. Okay, well. But they are. <laughs> that's how I feel about this. Well, I'm just saying, but that's different. They're making a sequel to an original movie. This is a story that's existed 700 years. You mm. can't call dibs just because it's your favorite version. <laughs> you can't say no one else gets Cinderella now because I grew up with the Brandy Norwood version. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, if they try and call Brandy back and, like, do another... Oh, I'm talking about that. Oh, I thought you meant... 
doing Hammerstein and ballroom. No, that's Rogers what... Hammerstein. I thought you meant adapting this musical version of Cinderella. No, no, uh, I'm talking about creating, like rebooting this version. Oh yeah, no, I don't think that was ever in the cards. No, <laughs> that's was... what I'm talking about. Like Roger, people are performing them in schools or whatever. Like that's fine. That's what I thought. You, I thought you said you didn't want anyone to attempt to make another H and R. No, 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 no. Uh, R and H version of of Cinderella. No, that's not what I'm oh, okay. I was about to make you being mad unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm talking about this version. Oh, I also think that Disney should be playing this every year, like on channel. Why isn't that a yeah. thing? <laughs> I mean, it was definitely ahead of its time in terms of the race stuff. So just because that's always in so much more of the conversation these days than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that it would be a very easy thing to... The fact that it's not even on Disney Plus is crazy. Yeah. Like, I thought I thought this was going to be the easiest one. Yeah, go on Disney Plus will be right there. Yeah. Nope, not there. Hello. I think they have the 2015 boring version. One thing that's very depressing about this is I was actually trying to listen to the soundtrack when I was, like, washing the dishes or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, why can't I find the soundtrack anywhere? Turns out that the soundtrack was never made for this movie, despite them having all the materials they need they need to make a soundtrack for Do you mean like an original cast recording, like when a CD comes out alongside a Broadway show? Exactly. Oh, okay. And the reason is because Whitney's, Whitney Houston's label and Brandy's label, like, couldn't agree. Wow. Like, apparently Brandy's label was like, no, Brandy's an R&B artist, and we're pitching her as that to the world, so this is, like, too poppy for Brandy. Like, we're not going to let this happen. And to this day... There's no original soundtrack for this movie. Oh, wow. Which apparently is, like, one of Whitney Houston's, like, most, like, biggest regrets. Yeah. Like, that, that was never released to the world. That is a bummer. Yeah. So, I think that everyone should start a petition, like, sign a petition to get this original cast recording made. And, like, they literally just have to remaster it. Like, stuff that already exists. They yeah. don't need to do anything else. That would be pretty cool. So... I think we should start a movement. <laughs> By we, I mean me. All right, Andy. So, I have a question. Yes. Do you love what I love? I love it. Install ads? I think I might. Really? I After th- all that? Yes. So let me explain. Oh my god. Uh, well, no. Wait, I oh said my god. The majority of that was stuff I liked. Those I was nitpicking little funny things. Um, I don't love it in the sense where I'm going to be watching it a lot. I'll tell you that very like I'm not. It's, it'll be ten years, I think, unless you put it on where I go out of my way to like actually watch this again. Um, I just you know I started. I set it off at the top of the show where Cinderella the story doesn't do much for me. So. A good adaptation, while good, is still a story that I'm just like, I, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you really break it down to the amount of scenes, there's not that many things that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, a, a, a meaty story. Um, but, ah, just, I love, I highly recommend, I mean, I highly commend this version for the casting. All the good stuff we said truly stands, like, I think, for something that was made for TV... Something that's been adapted a thousand times. It's stories old as dirt. Like, they really could have phoned this in. But, like, I don't know. I, like, an hour in, I just, like, I felt, like, the care of everybody in it. Of how much they wanted to tell the story. Which I think helps. Like, I think that translates really well into into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
as a, I'm not going to pretend that it, uh, it affected me as like a white dude the way it did you growing up, but I can truly as an outsider just like appreciate that that exists and that the people who aren't me, it's like a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. So for you to grow up and see a black princess in a movie when you were, I mean, 97, you were five. You probably saw it a couple of years later. You were probably yeah. under 10 when you were watching this. That affected, like, you know, you said it earlier, like, that affects your brain. And so I respect it for that. So I really just think the amount that I respect the care they put into this adaptation, the care, like, between the history of it, modernizing it, but without bastardizing any of the original ideas, and just, like, yeah, just, like, the fun of it. It's, like, I love it more than I like it. Does that make sense? Like, I love that it exists. I think it's important. I think a lot of means a lot to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad they made it. And I think it turned out really well. But because I don't love Cinderella, I don't know if I like it in the sense where, like, pop on Cinderella. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Interesting. So I don't know how much replay value it's going to get out of me. But I'm glad I watched it. And if I did, was in a situation where I was trying to show a kid something, like, like oh, you got to see Cinderella. Now, at this point, it would be between the one from the 1950 made by Walt Disney and this one. And I wouldn't even think about the other ones. I do, though, remember, I've, I've only ever seen it once, but I do remember, and it coincidentally came out the year after this, where ever after a Cinderella story, mm -hmm. I do remember that being really good. But I know that a big version of that was they were going, this 100% is not the Disney version. We are telling our, the old Cinderella, not the one you saw in 1950. So it really went out of its way to distance itself from Disney as opposed to this one, which embraced it full, full yeah. hug. But no, I love that it exists. Better love it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've, I've whistled a couple songs in my head, and I just didn't like, you know, like, it's a day later, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that part, you know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't just, like, it wasn't a completely forgettable. Because it could have just been an easy, like, like, Disney could have been like, fuck it, let's get a Cinderella out there. We want to get some, make some money, and like... Yeah. Well, like I said before, like this was really this movie really launched the return of, uh, they're basically their what I forget what they call it, like the Walt, the original Walt Disney or whatever, like rebooting their television televised Walt Disney. Yeah. So this was like the big event, and they really put money into the premiere and like making sure this aired. And yeah, it like it seems success. very, it seems like a very old school thing to do because I was alive when this came out, and I don't remember a lot of pushes like that. Where like this is a big event like a tv event televised yeah. yeah like like we used to have a lot more of those and now that we have so many channels and most people don't even have yeah the same skew of networks or streaming services so you can't have like unless it's a super bowl or something you really can't have something that we're all sitting down and watching yeah so so i think it was a rousing success not made for me but i can still truly appreciate it yeah that's awesome and it's timeless i feel like you can watch this at any time and it's just yeah i mean i think the fact if it was what I thought it was, which was um, set in the 90s and all that, it would have been dated within 10 years. Yes. I think by making it like this, like, you could just watch it. Cool. I'm so happy you love what I love. I did. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have time, take a moment and rate and review, please. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Lachie. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love.